Okay, are there any, are there any children? Any kids about? Uh, there are some. Come forward, we're going to watch a video. Great, the boy's leading the way. Oh no, there's a little girl here, come on. Come and take a seat at the front. So you can see the screen. The beginning. A perfect home. In the beginning, there was nothing. Nothing to hear, nothing to feel, nothing to see. Only emptiness and darkness and nothing but nothing. But God was there, and God had a wonderful plan. I'll take this emptiness, God said, and I'll fill it up. Out of the darkness, I'm going to make light, and out of nothing, I'm going to make everything. Like a mummy bird flutters her wings over her eggs to help her babies hatch, God hovered over the deep. Silent darkness. He was making life happen. God spoke. That's all. And whatever he said, it happened. God said, Hello, light. And light shone into the darkness. God called the light day. And the darkness night. You're good, God said. And they were. Then God said, hello sea, hello sky. And a great space opened up wide and deep and high. You're good, God said. And they were. Then God said, hello land. And there, splashing up through the oceans, came cliffs, mountains, sandy beaches. You're good, God said. And they were. Hello trees, God said. Hello grass and flowers and everything everywhere burst into life. He made buds bud, shoots shoot, flowers flower. You're good, God said. And they were. Hello stars, God said. Hello sun, hello moon. And whizzing into the darkness came fiery globes, spinning around and around, whirling orange and purple and golden planets. You're good, God said. And they were. Hello birds, God said. And with a fluttering and flapping and chirping and singing, birds filled the skies. Hello fish, God said. And with a darting and dashing and wriggling and splashing, fish filled the seas. You're good, God said. And they were. Then God said, hello animals. And everyone came out to play. The earth was filled with noisy noises, growling and gobbling and snapping and snorting and happy scuffuffling. You're good, God said. 
and they were. God saw all that he had made, and he loved them. And they were lovely because he loved them. But God saved the best for last. From the beginning, God had a shining dream in his heart. He would make people to share his forever happiness. They would be his children, and the world would be their perfect home. So God breathed life into Adam and Eve. When they opened their eyes, the first thing they ever saw was God's face. And when God saw them, he was like a new dad. <laughs> you look like me, he said. You're the most beautiful thing I've ever made. And God loved them with all his heart. And they were lovely because he loved them. And Adam and Eve joined in the song of the stars and the streams and the wind in the trees, the wonderful song of love to the one who made them. Their hearts were filled with happiness and nothing ever made them sad or lonely or sick or afraid. God looked at everything he had made. Perfect, he said. And it was. But all the stars and the mountains and oceans and galaxies and everything were nothing compared to how much God loved his children. He would move heaven and earth to be near them, always. Whatever happened, whatever it cost him, he would always love them. And so it was that the wonderful love story began. Well done. So, I have got some amazing... These are my favourite Cadbury's chocolates. Just show you that the box is full. Lots of little chocolates. I am going to give a chocolate to every one of you who does a really nice picture at the back. Pictures on creation. So we would like to see your pictures at the end of the church service. At which point, you can collect a chocolate... And if it's particularly good, you can maybe have one or two, if your mommy is accepting of that. Okay, so at the back there are crayons and pencils and paper and drawings. Do the best picture you can on creation. Is that good? Okay, let's stand up. In the middle. A, um, a while ago, I, um, good man, a, a while ago, I, um, when I was reading my Bible, I noticed that um, the scriptures speak a lot about creation. So I thought, I'll make a list every time I, um, I come across it. I didn't, it didn't take me long to give up making the list. 
It is all over the Bible. In the Old Testament, the New Testament, the Genesis story, the prophets, and you know, we're looking into the Psalms at the moment. Everywhere speaks about God creating the heavens. So I was going to pick a psalm, but I couldn't choose which one to pick. So I picked a few of them. (laughs) Psalm 8. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him? and the Son of Man, that you visit him. Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows his handiwork. Psalm 33. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. Can you get your head around that? mind-boggling. Psalm 89. The heavens are yours. The earth also is yours. The world and all its fullness, you have founded them. Psalm 96. These are not all of them. For all the gods of the peoples are idols. That, that is a fantastic picture. The heavens, for all the gods of the peoples are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. The heavens declare his righteousness, and all the peoples see his glory. Psalm 102. Of old, you laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. Psalm 104. Who cover yourself with light as with a garment. Just see him sort of just wrapping this cloak of light all around him. Who stretch out the heavens like a curtain. To him who by wisdom made the heavens, for his mercy endures forever. References are also in the New Testament. Jesus would frequently refer to creation to explain the kingdom of heaven. For example, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies... It cannot bear any fruit. How about the parable of the sower? Throwing the seed. Some falls on the path. Some falls on rocky ground. Some falls among the weeds. (laughs) I've got to show you this. How good is that? Some falls on rocky ground, some falls on good ground, where it takes root and bears fruit 30, 60, 100 fold. 
How about Jesus saying, I am the vine, and you are the branches. Every branch that does not bear fruit is cast off and thrown into the fire. Every branch that does bear fruit is pruned so that it will bear more fruit. I want to briefly review from the scriptures that God is the sovereign Lord from, from the plan of self, uh, creation, that God is the sovereign Lord, that God has a plan, and that God has a purpose for each one of us. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. This is the first verse in the Christian Bible from Genesis 1.1. In the beginning was God, before there was anything else. Anything. As we heard, when there was just nothing. In other words, there was only God. Lee Strobel, the renowned apologist, makes an excellent case as to why the evidence of science points powerfully to the truth that there is a creator of the universe. Even most scientists accept the truth that at some point the universe came into existence. When we consider the universe today and we look into the future, we know it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger, infinitely bigger. It just goes on and on and on. But historically, that has not been the case. You've all heard, for example, of the Big Bang Theory. What was it that happened that brought the universe into existence? In other words, the universe has a beginning. Now, for something to begin, there must be a cause. Does that make sense? A cause that causes the universe to come into being. And if the universe began to exist, the universe has a cause. A Christian theologian by the name of Theophilus wrote in about 180 AD, God brought everything into being out of what does not exist so that his greatness might be known and understood through his works. This is the assertion of Scripture. But this was against the philosophy of the time, including Plato, who believed that God simply reordered what was already there. This did not sit comfortable with Theophilus. Any craftsman can make something out of what already exists. Remember that psalm, the gods of the, of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. 
And if what or whoever made the universe required existing material, it or he could not be God because he was dependent upon the material provided by another. For Theophilus, the power of God is made manifest in this, that he makes whatever he wishes out of what does not exist. In this excellent book, if you, if you want a, a deep theological treatise, this is a really good book. It's called From Nothing, A Theology of Creation by Ian McFarland. He made the following observation. If God is to be confessed as Lord without qualification, i.e. he is the sovereign Lord God, then everything that is not God must depend on God for its existence without qualification. Otherwise, whatever realities existed independently of God would constitute a limit of God's ability to realize God's will in, the crea in creation. In the same way that the properties of wood constrain the creative possibilities open to the carpenter. So if you've got a piece of wood that already exists, that bit of wood constrains you as to what you can make out of it. You understand that? In the same way that you can only make a pot out of a lump of clay or a loaf of bread out of some flour. If God was limited with what was already there, he was constrained by what he could make. And the conclusion of that is, he could not therefore be God because there was something greater than him that caused the material that he relies upon to come into existence in the first place. Instead, God brings into being the very stuff of which the universe is made. In short, God creates from nothing. As we heard, he spoke it into being. In consequence, what are the conclusions that we can draw of the nature of the cause behind the universe? Well, the cause of the universe would have to exist before it began in order to bring it into being. It or he must be spirit because there was nothing materially that existed. There was nothing. Because it existed in a form before there was anything of a material kind. It must be eternal because time only began and came into existence at the beginning of the universe. Before that, there was timelessness. There was nothing. The power that caused the universe to come into being must be unbelievably smart and powerful. Any amen to that? Amen. 
It must have a personal will because it decided to create. And it must be one of a kind. You know, for us, as we pray for God's miracle in Ruth's life, the issue of creation is paramount in our lives. Because we approach the God of light that transcends everything, that created something from nothing. And we believe that he can destroy this cancer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Is this list not a good description of the sovereign Lord of the Bible? My second point is that God had a plan. God created freely. He was not coerced in any way. The early theologian Irenaeus wrote this. There is nothing either above God nor after God. Nor was God influenced by anyone, but of his own free will he created all things. Since he is the only God, the only Lord, the only creator, the only Father, alone containing all things and himself commanding them into existence. We see this in the New Testament, in John's Gospel. Right at the beginning of the New Testament, mirroring what was written at the beginning of the Old Testament. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning when there was nothing. All things were made through him, and without him, nothing was made that was made. So, if the word was with God, and the word was God, and he was in the beginning, and everything that was made through him, the sole precondition and only context for creation is God. And further, creation must be considered in the context of Jesus Christ. Because he was there in the beginning. It follows that understanding and knowing the person of Jesus Christ shapes our understanding of creation. I love drawing near to God and worshipping Jesus when I draw close to creation. I can see it in the tiniest of spider webs to the vast array of stars in the night, snow-capped mountains, sunsets over the ocean, the newts in my pond, although the snakes eaten them all. But even the snake God created. 
But if the stars are distant, God is not distant from his creation. He is intimately close with us in the presence of his son that we've just been singing about. He provides everything for our sustenance. Everything. If he's God and we are not, we are wholly dependent upon him. The air that we breathe, the water that we drink, the food that we eat, materials to make shelter, keep us warm. Everything comes from his hand. Yes, mankind works the land and is gainfully employed. But without the essentials to life, we would all die. Once creation is understood as the free act of God's will, the question naturally arises as to the purpose for which God willed it. Why did God make creation? Theophilus was in no doubt. God made the world so that through it, God might become known to human beings. Why would he do this? Because everything that he does is motivated by love. And even when mankind, as you know the story of Adam and Eve, fell away from him, he still makes a plan to bridge the gap and draw mankind back to himself through his son on the cross. Mankind's failings do not produce or reflect any failing in God. He is a perfect father and has made all provision for us to be restored through Jesus. Thirdly, God has a purpose for each one of us. Ephesians says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to, according to the good pleasure of his will. So before the universe began, God had in his heart each one of us and the whole of the human race to know him, to become like him. Ephesians 2 says, We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, before what? Before the universe came into, into being. That we should walk in them. I'm 60 years old and it's taken me quite a long time in my life to get to understand that my role is to find out what pleases him, not what pleases me. Because I've learned that what pleases me
can lead down many avenues and often leads to bad outcomes. Trauma, separation, breakdown. God is looking for a people who are made in his image to take their place as sons and daughters and worshippers and whose nature become immersed in his. And this is the liberty of that, is that being in Christ, there is more freedom than being outside of Christ. If you want to retain the kingship of your kingdom, that's fine. God won't break into you. But my experience is, is that the fullness of life is found in loving him and surrendering my life and my heart to him. Finding his purposes and plans, bowing my knee before him and saying, Lord, it's your way that I want to go from here on in. Will you help me to follow you? Come and fill me every day. Help me to follow you and walk with you. I want to make you known. This great love of this great Father, of this great God, the creator of the universe. And the amazing promise, because he is eternal, the amazing promise for those that are found in him is what Paul wrote in Romans 8. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angel, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Recently, very recently, one of our sons said to us, I feel lost. And as a father, my heart went out to him. Because I, I don't want my son to feel lost. I want him to know that he's loved. And that he's got a purpose and a destiny over his life. And I said to him, there's all manner of things that you can fill in your life. But if you're looking for happiness outside of accepting that Jesus Christ be Lord of your life. You're not going to find it. I just so firmly believe that. I want to ask you today, do you feel lost? You're wondering what your reason for living is, where your destiny lies. God has a purpose and a plan for your life. When we accept him, we're accepted into the community and the family of God. And we have an eternal destiny that will live on forever in him. Amen.